Welcome back to another episode of More Than That. We are so grateful to Kroger for sponsoring this episode. Learn more about how they are facing hunger and waste head on in our communities at Kroger.com forward slash ZHZW. I didn't grow up in a household where it was like, you know, do what I say, don't do what I do or be, be seen and not heard. I didn't grow up in that household. I grew up seeing if you want it done, do it. If you want it done, do it. And you can do whatever it is you want. I grew up for all intents and purposes as a person with means, right? But that's because my parents were resourceful, not because we were financially wealthy, right? My parents were very resourceful and they would do things like make our own clothes and teach us. I was hemming pants and sewing on buttons and putting zippers on clothes and cutting um, patterns with fabric and pink and shears when I was a young child, right? I make my own clothes now. I specifically remember my paternal grandmother having a cookie tin because she was a seamstress. And not that cookie tins have anything to do with being a seamstress, but she kept all her small materials in there, her spools of thread, needles, all that sewing-related stuff. So, you know, you definitely could not expect cookies when you opened her cookie tin. You know, my grandma and grandpa ain't had a whole lot of money and she would go to the store and buy pounds of sweet potatoes and she would just wrap them in foil, throw them in the oven for like an hour and a half and pop them out, put some butter and cinnamon on it and then just eat it as a snack. And now that's like a snack that I eat probably every single day. But yeah, I, I got that from my grandma. It's a tradition that I got from her. From fashion to food to money, Black folks have been saving time by repurposing and transforming items forever. While the opportunities around us to practice sustainability are abundant, it's often difficult to recognize them as opportunities. So today on More Than That, we are joined by one of my favorite women and part of my D.C. tribe, Spice Sweet owner, Angel Gregorio, queen of all things flavorful, by the way, and non-traditional environmental educator, Dominique Drakeford, who's sharing tips on how to create a sustainable wardrobe. Okay, everyone, I am so excited because I have my real life sister on here. <laughs> but you all might know her as Angel Gregorio, the founder and the owner of the Spice Suite, who I'm always so proud of. And the one <laughs> thing that I know that you know how to do is have food at home, have clothes at home, repurpose things for art, do hairstyle. Like, if there's one person that I know that is not going to waste, it is my good sis, Angel. Every time she posts something, you're going to be like, wow, I need to cook. So it's like I think about food and fashion the same way because I want people to have as much fun in their kitchens as they do in their closets. Yes. Like I've always been the girl who wanted to create things. So that's just always been a part of who I am. And when it comes to food, that is just so easy for me. Um, I don't even think about it a lot. Like my friends, you know, like they'll be hanging out at my house and they'll leave maybe around like three or four. And they're like, what you about to cook for dinner? And I'm like, girl, I don't even know. I'm just see what's in the refrigerator and we're going to work wow. something out. So being able to repurpose things, I think, makes me feel a lot less pressure to have to um, get super creative all the time and have something new. Um, and it just, like, changes the narrative that, like, new is always better. Like, sometimes what you have is actually bomb. You just need to find a new way to look at it. 
That's a word. That's a word for all <laughs> things in life. Sometimes what you have is fun. You just need to change your glasses, put on them rose-colored ones, and really yeah. see it for for the beauty that it is. And yeah. you know, you you are really one of my one of my favorite slogans from following you is "You have food at home," and I need help with that. <laughs> I started saying we got food at home because I wanted people to really like look in their fridge before they scroll through an app on their phone and start trying to find something to order, right? Or start thinking about a restaurant to go to. But it helps us to save and be more sustainable because we are less likely to throw food away when we cook it. But what I do tell folks who are stuck and who really just need a a nudge in the direction of some creativity or they're just blocked and don't know what to do, to try the thing that sounds the most exciting because that's what you'll be most interested to try first when you get home. If you take Mm -hmm. our lemony peppery blend, yes, it's super bomb and it's not like the lemon pepper in the store, but it's not going to make you excited enough that you want to cook because you want to experience my lemon pepper. If you get like, oh, you fancy, huh? Or pass me the green or for city girls or for the culture. Like if you get one of those blends, you're going to want to experience it at home because it's like, I don't even know what I'm about to get myself into. I need to just buy some salmon or some potatoes or something because none of this tastes like anything until you put something on it, right? So get something plain, sprinkle something on it and then have fun. And so for the people who are, once they get the spices and all of the things that they want, they feel like they're ready and, and, and ready to go. But what are some of the cooking essentials that every person needs to have in their arsenals? So cast iron is like a number one essential. Um, one, it just allows for like even heat when you're cooking things. You can go from stove to oven. You can mm. cook everything in it from cornbread to pasta. If you season it well enough, you can even do eggs in it, like for um, fried rice and things in there if it's well seasoned. But I say that cast iron is like the ultimate um, thing to have in your kitchen. Even if you're just starting out, learning how to cook with cast iron, how to season your cast iron skillet is like Black Girl Essential 101. Okay, how do I season season cast iron? So seasoning your cast iron skillet, seasoning is almost like a a synonym for um, sealing it, right? So first you want to clean it. Then you want to sit it on the stove on low heat and let it completely dry because that'll allow it to completely, completely dry. Then you want to rub it with oil, like a vegetable oil, the entire skillet, the, the bottom, the handle, everything, and then put it in the oven on low for maybe like an hour and just let it sit and it almost like seals it, right? That's the first time. Every time after that, you don't have to put it in the oven, but you do want to clean it while it's hot. That's another tip, to clean it while it's hot because it's easier to scrape things off of it while it's hot. Sit it on the stove to let it dry and then rub it with oil. You should always rub it with oil after it dries because it almost gets like ashy and you don't want it to get ashy. And if you see people with cast iron skillets that have rust spots, that's because it got wet and it didn't dry properly. Letting it just sit out to dry is not going to dry it properly. And okay, and this is such a good question. If you were a spice blend, (laughs) what would be all in that blend to make the perfect angel spice? It would definitely be layered. There will be some lavender. That's one of my favorite spice blends because it's just super, one of my favorite spices because it's super unexpected. When people hear lavender, they think about like um, calming bath salts and things. But when I think lavender, I think like lavender pepper mashed potatoes. I think like a lavender balsamic. Like I think about so many fun things. So that one is so unexpected. So that has to go in there because I feel like my whole life has been a series of unexpected events. Um, I would definitely have to do some sort of like Thai chili or bird's eye pepper from Ghana um, for something that has like a, a good amount of 
heat to it because there's this like spiciness to me that's just kind of naturally there. A little sauciness because... I can go there. Um, <laughs> I'll leave it there. Look, it's okay, um, period. Yeah, just, just a little sauciness. And then I think everything else would just be like really light things. Um, so things like sweet basil, things like turmeric, things that are just like light to see, like they're bright. And then they're also just like not heavy because that's just the life that I want to live. I don't want like so much about my childhood, my upbringing have not been easy and they've not been um, without struggle that at this point in my life, I only want ease. I only want lightness. I only want um, things that make me feel good, things that um, brighten my mood almost immediately without a whole lot of explanation. So I want it to be a blend that is almost layered. Like I would love for it to be a blend that isn't shaken. So almost when you think about the little uh, sand things that you used to make where they layer all yeah. the different colors and you can see it. So I would want it to look like that. Well, on the shelf, you see all the layers as a representation of just like my transparency. And then some of the complexity will come in that you don't know exactly what those things are, but you can see them. Waste not, want not. Squeezing the bottle until all the lotion's gone, reusing takeout containers for leftovers, buying pre-loved, pre-owned, and telling us kids there's food at home. We've been passing down these life hacks for years. We were on trend from the get, stretching our money and saving our planet. We've been doing it together. Kroger and the Zero Hunger, Zero Waste Foundation are helping to create an equitable food system for all. Learn more about how they are facing hunger and waste head on in our communities at Kroger.com forward slash ZHZW. We have on Dominique Drakeford, who you might know from creating sustainable fashion and just being popping. I just love the bronze braids we have today, the orange, the glasses, the moments. <laughs> All of her work with Sustainable Brooklyn has been so cool to watch. And so I'm so happy to have Dominique on today. So just for our audience, can you give us a good intro spiel into who Dominique Drakeford is and what she does? I am from Oakland, California, home of the Black Panthers, but I reside in Brooklyn. I've been here for about 10 years. I have worn so many different, you know, fedoras, berets, hats, all of the sorts, but I mean, ultimately, I work across a lot of different mediums and intersections to disrupt mainstream sustainability space while also really working to create a connective ecosystem, specifically in the Black diaspora, to show that we've been sustainable and to reclaim the elements of sustainability that traditionally has been lost or taken from us. And I also am one half of Sustainable Brooklyn, which is bridging the gap through various programming and re-educate on sustainability in our community. People call me an influencer, cool, sure. But I see myself as a bridge to connect past, present, and future. Do you remember how old you were when the first time you saw something that said, you know, this this is what I need to do with my life? What sparked all, all your passion for this? So there was no like Oprah aha moment, but if I had to articulate it, the best way to do it is I was, and still am, a Missy Elliott stan, right? She fly, fly from her head to her toes. And I started to thrift shop, secondhand shop, pull pieces from mom, sister, grandma's closet, and put things together architecturally 
to be as fly as Missy Elliott. On the opposite end of the spectrum, I was a Black girl who loved nature, right? Mm. And so the way that I took up space just organically was like, I am a Black woman in an American system and sustainability is about resistance and joy and it's about ancestors and present day. And that needs to be articulated no matter where I go. And so I began avenues of creatively telling these stories from my own perspective, but also from other folks. And then you start to realize we've been here, we've been doing this. And so my, like, it was an unencumbered automatic passion Mm. to showcase the ways in which we've been sustainable from design, from dying, from creating ecosystems of care, from not wasting. And that goes from food all the way to fashion. And for me, sustainability was my heartbeat. I still don't see it as work. I never saw it as work. And since I was a kid, before I even had the language for sustainability, I'm like, this is what makes my heart beat because it's it's how I dress. It's embedded in my health. It's embedded in my community. It touches on every single facet of my being. So that was my passion. Break down for some of our audiences who might not connect the thread. What are the biggest ways that our people have always been sustainable? And what, what are some of those traditions that we still carry on today that we don't even realize we're from the legacy of sustainability that exists within our people. So quick history lesson. Before colonial takeover, because I know history loves to start with the transatlantic slave trade. Nah, before that. Before that, all throughout the continent, we had supreme fashion systems. Fabric, the African textile and fabric industry was dope as hell. Forget the the pictures of you just seeing naked Africans running around with a tree leaf and a piece of bark. No. In Ghana, we had Kente. In Mali, Bogolan. In Egypt, the fabric industry was thriving. They had quilting and they cultivated linens Mm. from flax. (laughs) Mm. Uh, In Cameroon, there was quilting. In the Congo, there was raffia, which is like a straw and an intricate designs were made from this. And so before, when I say like we created the DNA of sustainable fashion that is rooted in nature, but it was also fly because we wore history and identity and protection. The colors meant something. And so in the mainstream sustainability space, you don't hear this narrative. And so sustainability was cultural. It wasn't until colonization that sustainability had to become political for us, right? Mm. So we had to wear clothing. It was still cultural, but it it took a political shift because we had to fight and we had to resist, but we still were, were connected to our roots of we have to look fly and this has to speak to our soul. And it was very spiritual. So when Black sustainability fashion shifted to more of a political voice, you have folks like Harriet Tubman, right, who was a quilter. And so on the Underground Railroad, she would hang quilts and certain patterns and colors of the quilt symbolized, it said something. It said something like this, this pattern, it's a safe house, or you need to 
go north or you need it. It was language, right? Survival. Sustainable fashion became survival. If you're looking at the Black Panthers, how we adorned ourselves was about sustainability because not necessarily in the environmental sense, but in the social sense, in the political sense, when we need to we need to wear clothes that helps us survive um, while also showing our badassery, right? It was art. It was heritage. There was a lot of secondhand. There was a lot of DIY. It was a lot of mamas in the kitchen sewing, sustainable. Mm. Like mainstream discourse does not talk about us. Yet we have been doing this forever. Ever. We are the blueprint. Talk me through that part of the sustainability conversation that so many of us just haven't even connected. The word that always comes to mind, I know I'm giving, I'm, I'm adding some texture to the answer, but Sankofa. And mm. it means it's ultimately you're connecting the past. You're taking what was happening in the past and creating systems in the present so that we can have progress in the future. Right. Mm. So I think about Sankofa. Right. So if I'm thinking about my grandma, my great grandma, my aunts, my great aunt, our grandmas were growing their own collard greens while they were ha. trying to fight for land just as much as they were sewing their own garments while we're trying to fight for folks to know that we are the DNA of sustainability. Before DIY was cool and trendy, our grandma created DIY. <laughs> if grandma, if, if she had YouTube back then, she would have been YouTubing it and, and showing y'all how to DIY everything. Right? Period. I'm, I'm like that old tin cookie jar that got all the sewing stuff in it. Right? It's not cookies in there. <laughs> it's needles <laughs> and thread and her energy yes. for sustainability. Yes. I'm trying to tell y'all. Uh, I'm trying to tell y'all. Her our heritage is everything. <laughs> our heritage is everything. The whole time you were talking about how you know, seeds were currency, but their threads were currency. Their needles were currency. I need folks to understand, too, that sustainability, yes, it's about the earth and about culture and all of this, but it's also about economic abundance, right? Mm. Like, when I talk about currency, like, we also got to talk about coins so that we can build institutions. Mm. Because folks are making coins to create dope ecosystems from sewing, from growing mm. food, from all of the ways in which sustainability is us. So when I say it's currency, it's a spiritual currency, but it's also an economic currency that we have to tap into wow. and reprogram ourselves to reclaim. Mm. It has everything to do with us from ancestry through liberation movements through current times. Ooh. It's us. <laughs> it's us. Thank you to our guests, Angel Gregorio and Dominique Drakeford, for joining me on today's podcast. After hearing Angel and Dominique, I'm even more appreciative of what I have. So much of sustainability is about breathing new life into old things, just like our grandmothers taught us. And now I'm definitely about to choose what's going in my cookie tin, okay? Next week, join us as we delve into another topic, the world of women in professional sports. And remember to check out the show notes for all the resources mentioned in the show. 
Woo, that was an inspiring discussion. Thank you to our guests and thank you all for listening. And of course, we got to give a big thank you to Kroger for sponsoring this episode. Head to Kroger.com forward slash ZHZW to learn more about how they are facing hunger and waste head on in our communities. Don't forget to hit subscribe, give us a good rating and follow us at More Than That Show on all platforms. <laughs>